You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Kitsy, and with me once again is the unexchangeable Caleb Coy. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hello. Unexchangeable. I've, is that been even... trying to ex- I've been trying to exchange you for years, and no one that's, will let me do it. That's No one will take me. I, I don't have the receipt is the problem. <laughs> and I'm, I'm damaged, and they, they just don't want it. Like, they, mm-hmm. not, even, not even credit. The, the non-fungible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're an NFT. Yes. NFC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Non-fungible <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> well, Kitsy. Yes, Caleb. We have, we have guests today. We do. Yeah, I, I've noticed that. <laughs> you, I, you may, I didn't know if you noticed or not. You know, we, I did. I did notice. Do you want to introduce <laughs> our guests? Yeah. Uh, so joining us this week, I am super, super stoked. Uh, we've got Danny and Nick from the band Element 101 uh, joining us. Uh, who I'm, I'm very, very excited. I have not spoken or seen uh, either of these fellows in probably close to 20 years. Uh, and this is uh, just completely floored that y'all agreed to be on the, the show. So welcome. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much for having us. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I reached out, it's because uh, our, our, our friend and occasional co-host and uh, network colleague, Andrea, uh, <laughs> she's from Jersey. And she's she's everything Jersey. Jersey is the the best. And I uh, wanted nice. to prove to her that I could hang, uh, and that I knew at least one Jersey band. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I want to talk about my favorite Jersey band, Element One Hundred One. And uh, I specifically mentioned that I wanted to talk about uh, More Than Motion, uh, the the last record that y'all put out. I think it was two thousand two, right? Correct. Yep. So, and uh, Danny, you said something really interesting when uh, I told you that, and you you referred to it as kind of like a lost record. So, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so first and foremost, thank you so much for having us on. We're really humbled uh, that you would select us of all the amazing Jersey bands out there. Um, that's extremely humbling. Um, but yeah, when I when I saw that you wanted to talk about more than motion, uh, that really piqued my my curiosity and interest just because um we I, I i don't know if it's necessarily a lost album right a lost album is an album that you can't ever access again right um obviously it's on spotify and other other platforms so listeners can access the record uh it's just there was a lot of tragedy surrounding that record and um mm. it really led to um you know our demise which um essentially when when we recorded it we 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 took like I think it was like five months off from like playing shows and um, we just focused on writing the record. Um, we wanted to, you know, put everything we absolutely had into that album. And uh, what was so amazing was uh, we, so when we recorded stereo girl, we recorded that at the blasting room with Bill and Stefan from the descendants at their studio out there. Um, so we had two weeks to do stereo girl, but when we were working on more than motion, we felt like we needed a lot more time than that. So um, but our budget was, was cut dramatically. So we, we called Bill and we asked Bill if, if he'd be willing to give us three weeks at a lower budget than what stereo girl was. And Bill is so amazing. He was so gracious and said, absolutely you know, not, not a problem. So we ended up spending three weeks on the record and we just put our heart and soul into the, to the album. And, um, the label said, you know, so when, when would you like to release it? And what we were thinking was, we thought it would be great to release it in early September to really try to work college radio. Um, and so we agreed upon the, the release date of um, <laughs> September 11, 2002. Um, and, you know, so back then, right. Like 
your first week of sales is kind of like a real indicator on the size of your band. And yeah. so we, uh, we toured that, that summer before pretty much nonstop, um, until we had somewhat of a tragedy, which we could talk about later. But, uh, so uh, we, we just, you know, we were just putting everything behind promoting the record and, and we're going to get out there and, you know, get on the road and, and really promote it. Um, and then what happened was, uh, so the release day comes and uh, a bunch of friends and um, are going to the stores and they're calling us and emailing us. Can't find the record. Can't find the record. Uh, we call the label and the label said that um, I guess it was a last minute decision that the music industry was um, pausing all releases because of the one year anniversary of 9-11. And oh, um, because of that, uh, what ended up happening was the record came out in some regions, um, I guess, a week prior to that that we didn't know about. Um, it came out like three weeks later in other regions. It was a just, it was an absolute nightmare. Um, yeah. so, and I don't, and, and I don't even think it was released in, in other, in other parts of it. I think like whatever releases were slated for that day, um, you know, were just, it was just completely messed up. So, um, it was like, <laughs> it, it, uh, to quote Billy power who, um, who worked at the label and I'm still really close friends with to today. Uh, when I called him, he said, Danny boy, the car crashes happened, you know, so <laughs> there's nothing you could do. Right. Um, and, uh, so it, it was, it was so incredibly discouraging, um, because, uh, I, I just think that, you know, it, it, the, the album from that point on was pretty much lost. Um, and, uh, it was just really tragic and, and we couldn't yeah. follow through with it. Yeah. 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 All that like heart and soul and effort put into making it. And then yeah. it just like falls apart like through your hands that was uh you mentioned that the label a couple of times i was still with tooth and nail yeah correct yeah yep. were uh were all three releases tooth and nail they i remember were. yeah it's been a long time but like some of that information's still in there yeah. uh so coming into the episode uh we, we started up by hearing the the first track called fade away and uh my uh, my preparation for this episode involved going back and re-listening to the whole catalog uh because i've 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 been a fan ever, ever since Future Plans. Uh, I think I nice. probably, I, I don't remember where I first encountered y'all, you know, probably through like a tooth and nail catalog or something like that. But uh, I think I saw y'all play it at probably like Cornerstone Fest out here in Illinois or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, uh, playing on that record, I was like, this band fucking owns. I love this. <laughs> uh, I think the, the thing that stood out to me the most about this record, like the, the first ones have been like very kind of like pop punk vibes. Uh, you know, always a lot of really interesting stuff going on. that wasn't just like super straightforward pop punk, but like had that kind of general feel to it. And then this, this record comes in with this huge rock track right off the bat. And you can yeah. tell like it's, it's setting a totally different tone. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think we got really eclectic at that point, just in what we were personally listening to. And I, I think we were a little, we were open to the kind of bands we were touring with and open to the kind of bands that we were, I, I guess for lack of a better word, like kind of stereotyped as or pigeonholed into. Yeah. Um, but I think our hearts were just elsewhere. Like we needed to expand. We needed to grow. And we were listening to more, you know, whatever, experimental stuff, different stuff, kind of stuff that was foreign to the scene. Yeah. And that definitely went into our writing for that. Nick, I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but it, I think your mic is tapping against your uh, zipper on your, your shirt there. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. That's, That's going to be so many <laughs> It's happened to be so annoying. many times. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Just wanted to catch that before we got too far in. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. Everything about this like just really stands out. Like from the like the the like 
kind of crazy delay uh, intro to like yeah. huge guitar tones. Uh, and even like, I, I feel like you, you talked about like the being pigeonholed stylistically. And I feel like a lot of that comes from like you know, early 2000s, like, Oh, there's a girl in a pop punk band. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's really easy. There, it, like thinking back now, like how fucked up that, that was that like, that's how like kind of re- uh, reductive, a lot of the approach to, to music was uh, when like across the board, there's so much talent in this band and uh, Chrissy has an incredible voice and y'all are such incredible musicians. Uh, and I feel like you're know, coming into this record, you just really just like put it out on the table. Like this is yeah. everything we are. And like, it just, it's always floored me. Yeah. And, and the, the, the type of stuff we were trying to do musically, like I know Chris, like Danny, Chris was really into the line six around that time right like he was mm-hmm. using that a lot for for like the the reverb and echo and delay things that you heard on the beginning of fade away Best he huge. loved experimenting with that <laughs> he was he was he was very masterful with that mm-hmm. yeah I, I feel like uh chris is such an innovative guitar player and um absolutely you know, yeah and uh really really should be given a lot more credit than than he ever has been which um and yeah and just i think on that record it's just he i mean he was doing stuff that uh you know, um, the guys in the studio were they're like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> Where did yeah. this come from? Type, you know, type thing. Cause you know, th- there was a lot of that stuff really wasn't on stereo girl, you know, and mm-hmm. we, re- we recorded stereo girl in, I believe it was May of 2000. And then we went into the, the studio again in March of 2002. So, you know, it, w- it was just under two years. Um, yeah. and I just feel that, uh, more than motion was just such, um, we just really matured. And I think like Nick hit the nail on the head that, we matured a, a lot just from a lot of the music that we were listening to going into that album. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you notice that the, uh, the artwork for the album has a Pink Floyd feel to it. Yes. Um, so that, <laughs> that was definitely a band that I could say we were um, definitely listening to a lot of at that point. I think that's actually a, a perfect segue into uh, the next track on the record, Stop Breathing. Color of my eyes, they draw your lines. 
familiar with your, your past catalog like you know really kind of pop punky uh like this song i think in particular really exemplifies there's very much like a 70s 80s rock uh vibe on this that is coming through yeah yep and poppy yes yeah listening to that song now i i find, dan do you remember i told you this like that song translates really well to today i feel like that would be just a great song today uh-huh. it almost stands out more today than it did then it's very fresh. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, yeah, I feel like there's a lot on this record. I mean, the the sounds in general are so fantastic. And if if y'all at any point want to wax into the gear talk, feel free because uh, the the sounds are incredible. Uh, but what, I mean, the, one of the things that like really is on on display in this track to me uh, is Sal's bass playing. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Like, it's so much. I mean, you know, for at risk of playing on the title there's so much motion in it and like awesome. i can i can still see him like on stage doing that and when i listen to it <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and also i think a lot of the chemistry for that album particularly um had to do with our relationship with those guys like bill and stefan and jason livermore too uh they they were just they they gelled. I feel like it, it, it's hard to describe how special that relationship was with those guys. I think it, it was definitely emotional. It was definitely because I think we were there in some sort of key moments for like Bill's life, right, Dan? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, but but they were just, they were so into what we were doing, and they were so into experimenting with us. Yeah, and uh, when when we recorded that record, um, again because we, we didn't feel like three weeks was enough time, they mm-hmm. actually agreed, which was amazing for them on their part. To um, we recorded that record literally twenty four hours nonstop every day. Yeah, we did. Um, Jeez. So like, for, <laughs> we took so the, turn. We took it in shifts. Yeah. So the three. So the three of them. So Bill would take eight hours. Stefan would take eight hours. Jason would take eight hours. And it was just constantly. It was it was like nonstop. Um, and we yeah. you know we slept in the studio so. You know, there, there, there was times where it's like, okay, we're not sleeping tonight because the guitars are blaring all night. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I mean, that that's how dedicated they were to it was that, um, you know, they, they agreed to, you know, doing those just eight just working around the clock um, to track everything and get everything done. So that's wild. Yep. Uh, where did you record this? It was at the blasting room. Um, okay. Fort Collins. Yeah, Fort Collins. Yeah. yeah. Colorado. Right on. Yeah. At- uh, yeah, I've always it, wanted to record there. I am incredibly jealous. I just want you to know that. <laughs> well, you it know, was an awesome place. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing, you know, like, um, you know, I've, I've I've kept in touch with people and I've heard, listened to a ton of podcasts where, you know, a lot of bands will look back and they blame like the record label for them not being successful or whatever. And that's something that we would never do because it's like at the end of the day, they put us in the studio um, for two albums mm-hmm. with our favorite band in the entire world and yeah. we had the most amazing experience there and um 
<laughs> like what is there to complain about <laughs> you know yeah, so for sure just, right forever grateful um for those experiences and it it wouldn't have happened most likely if if we weren't you know if we didn't work with tooth and nail at the time there may be things to complain about but at the same time i think, <laughs> yeah. we're, mo- I think we're mostly grateful and yeah. thankful yeah. So that that uh, kind of answers what I you know, would normally have asked. Like, what was it like working with Tooth and, tooth and Nail? Because you hear stories, like both good and yeah. bad. Uh, you know, you hear the you know the punk rock pays the bills side of uh, you know Brandon <laughs> Ebel, but then you hear uh, there's other stuff about working with Bill and how great he was. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean we. Yeah, I mean there were there were so many great people that worked there. Bill, um, Roy. Um, you know, it was. Um, yeah. I mean, Bill, Bill believed in us from the beginning and, and signed us. And, um, you know, we, uh, to this day, you know, like I said, I'm still close friends with him. And, um, I just, yeah, I mean, being a kid who I remember hearing his band for the first time and hearing that voice on, on that blenderhead cesspool track yes. and, uh, yeah. and then, you know, uh, to become friends with him was just such a <laughs> cool experience. Yeah. He was really cool. Yeah. It's a, like, that's a almost like unfathomable thought for me because you're hearing that those tracks in high school and thinking like, yeah, I don't know that I could ever like be in a room with this person. that would be scared. <laughs> yeah. I was a you know, very naive kid, <laughs> but like, you know, then you meet them they're like, oh, it's super friendly. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm still like, I, I never really like did the math, but y'all were really like only technically active, I guess for what, like five years. I guess so. Is that right, Dan? Yeah. Um, I would say that probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of <laughs> feel like we became element one one when we had a, a drummer prior to Nick and, um, we recorded an EP that we put out on burnt toast vinyl, but, uh, I really don't consider that element. I consider like when, when Nick joined in and, and we recorded future plans, mm-hmm. um, what was that? I think that was in this, maybe like the spring or winter of 99, but that was on burnt toast vinyl too. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that came out. Yeah. Bought it. yeah. Yeah, they re-released it, right? Yeah. That's weird to think like how much like it seems to have happened in like such a compressed period of time. I mean, yeah. Three records, a bunch of touring, stuff like that. And like like that very you you mentioned like the the feeling of maturing from record to record. And yeah. you feel it noticeably between each. Mm-hmm. Uh and like all of that happens in like a span of you know, essentially like three to four years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were, we were best friends and we were a family and, you know, we would go on the road and come home and go to sleep and wake up in the morning, go hang out with each other. Right. Yeah. And you know, I know some bands that, uh, you know, they come home from tour and they don't speak again to the next tour. Right. Or to the Mm -hmm. next time they have to. Um, but we, uh, we, we were always pretty much inseparable. And, uh, so I think that also helped and, we just had a really hard, uh, we just believed in hard work and, and that ethic. And we were always practicing and, um, we were fortunate enough that, uh, that Chris's parents would let us practice in their oh, basement yes. whenever we wanted <laughs> the house would <laughs> <Yep>. shake <laughs> and, uh, they loved it. And it was just awesome to have all that support. There's moments on the, the element records that like always, always stick with me and like have through the last like two decades and like, we'll just oh, pop cool. into my head randomly and that's that's you know when i say like oh my favorite jersey band like that's legit like i i still love these tracks and um oh. what, what i like first comes to mind is uh uh standing on the edge of night uh from oh yeah girl 
that <laughs> like the, those little hooks that like stick in my brain and like y'all have a few of those moments that like that do that to me and uh, another one that always like comes back to me is in the uh, in the fragile then the next track on the record oh yeah um, because you have this big like huge droney guitar riff and again sal's bass sounds just growling underneath and it's this slow moving but like if you're listening closely, there's this, you know, the, the I, I guess maybe is that Chris that's like the kind of dancing lead in the background that you just yeah. kind of like adds like a lightness to it. Yep. Yep. But then like that part where like everything drops out and it's just that and Chrissy's vocals. Yeah. And like there's there's an emotion that that line conveys that everything dropping out and just letting that one guitar part carries through gives that emotion so much space. And yeah, like, it's just like it's something that I think a lot of people like just don't necessarily even think about when they're writing or recording or even listening to songs that like it just makes it that much more powerful when you do. You're, you're the perfect listener. You're like you're like exactly <laughs> who I feel like we've always wanted everyone to be the kind of listener, you know, as as you are. So I'm I'm hearing it the way it was intended then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, honestly, I would say that uh, the fragile is hands down uh, my favorite element song that we've ever written or recorded. Um, it's very different than any song we've done. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah. On so many different levels, like sonically um, I, I love everything about it. Um, the recording, the mix. Um, and one thing that always stood out to me and I'm glad that Nick's here to talk about it a little further is it, it may sound so simple, but um, in the um, I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's the verses uh, when he goes to the ride and the way that mixes with the snare and the guitar. Mm-hmm. It just, um, it sonically, it just sounds so great. I, I love the snare. Um, oh, we that. experimented with that a lot. Do you remember, yeah. Dan? We used like a, it was like a 26 or uh, 28. It was almost like a marching drum we used for the kick. That's right. And that, right. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like those, like the, that drony slow riff, like it's so clean too. Like, so yeah, like, yeah. perfectly timed and executed that just like everything starts and ends at the exact same time. And then there's just this yep. beautiful little lead that's floating around in the background, just doing its own thing. And it works so well. And, and there's a, there's a, I think we had a spirit of minimalism in that song too. Just mm-hmm. like everything between the the drums and the, and the bass and just like that riff that you're talking about that Chris had floating over everything that was kind of carrying the song the whole that was like the most involved part of the song. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Was that one of those ones that like took an entire 24 hour cycle just to get that one part? Or, you know, I, or did I don't he remember. walk in and just nail it? <laughs> he he pretty much nailed a lot of that. I I don't remember how. I don't remember a lot of the details of recording that other than just the experimentation, right, Dan? Just the different yeah. things we were trying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There, there yeah. may have been more stuff that didn't stick that we tried and we're just like, no, nah, we want to keep the song simpler. Makes yeah. sense. You know, and, and to be honest with you, I'm not really sure um, what Chrissy's <laughs> writing about or especially on, on More Than Motion. I, I really couldn't tell you what those songs are about. Mm-hmm. However, I would say that The Fragile is a song that um, always speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that line that you're on the brink of something like, yeah. um, I'm kind of like a, a fatal optimist. I'm always thinking that there's something bigger and better. And, um, I'm always trying to, you know, pursue something new and, 
you know, that line, I, I feel like I've come back to that line so many times and it's, um, it's always been so, so inspiring to me. Um, and, uh, so yeah, to me, everything about that song is, is by far my favorite. And I would also say it was probably our, probably our favorite song to play live as well. Oh, I gotta um, imagine it was fun. Yeah. It had a good energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did have a good energy for sure. Yeah. It, I guess live, it just felt like, well, except for like where everything drops out, but I guess live, it just felt like one big breakdown the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you know? that. <laughs> It, but it was always jazzy. There was a little bit of a jazzy feel in it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you know, you were talking about you, you could tell like the maturity you could hear from album to album. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remember for me personally at first it was like, like Dan when, when we did Future Plans and we had um, what was his name Neil from M- MXPX's uh, drum tech yeah. being my drum tech there. <laughs> that was like my first, you know that 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 was my maiden voyage into playing drums you know, really for professionally, I guess you could say. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was pounded in me to just hit as hard as you could. Like every song was just hit hard, hit hard. And then, you know, we joked years later that, that like a, you guys created a monster out of me. Cause I was just, <laughs> it was just, I was just always hitting as hard as I could always breaking the drums. Always like, like Dan, do you remember we got, I, um, you, you know how I used to exchange symbols at any like guitar center or, uh, Sam Ash or whatever, like, cause we had that deal with Sildjian and I could just mm-hmm. get a new symbol if I broke it. And they literally sent me a letter saying we can't change. Cause we were doing it like every other week. <laughs> and they said, we can no longer exchange these. I wish I kept that letter, but, uh, oh, man. Like, yeah, you, we can't, you're break. you're not doing something right. You're breaking symbols too much. We can no longer exchange symbols for you. But, but what <laughs> I'm just bringing that up because by more than motion, I, I felt like I, learned more about finesse and how to play mm-hmm. with finesse and not just smash away at everything. And that, and I feel like the fragile has, is a good example of that. Yeah. Oh, I, just, I love the, the mental image of like you smashing these sheets of metal <laughs> so hard with narrow wooden sticks, breaking the metal yeah. all the time. It's, a, it's exactly right. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and it, the, there's a lot of that on this record, uh, but like again, this song in particular, like that each moment has the space that it needs. You have like these big loud uh riffs, but like there is yeah pacing to it. There there's silence and space in between, and there like it it flows so so well and it, it gives every like every measure exactly what it needs. I love you notice that. I love you notice the space. <laughs> uh-huh. It's, yeah. I like it's, this is one of those tracks that I could just I come back to and like it'll start with me remembering that you know we, when you shut the door and lay yourself on the floor that's when you know that you're home uh, yeah. and like the the feeling of that line but then I I start to think about how huge this track is I'm like I gotta go listen to that like right now. <laughs> awesome <laughs> well speaking of listening to that right now we do need to take a break but first uh, we are gonna hear the fragile. And then we'll hear from nice. our sponsor this week. And when we come back, we'll keep talking uh, about some more songs off of the record, More Than Motion. So stay tuned.
Action stations, action stations, set condition one throughout the podcast. I'm your host, an SC1 actual, Caleb. I'm your host, an XO, Kitsy. I'm your host, Andrea, and I don't know what any of that means. Welcome to set condition one, a Battlestar Galactica fancast. Each week, we revisit, and I watch for the first time, the 2004 sci-fi series Battlestar Galactica. Whether you're the commander of a soon-to-be decommissioned battleship, or unexpectedly promoted to president of the 12 colonies, join us as we make our way through the Battlestar Galactica universe, one episode at a time. I still don't know what you're talking about. Set Condition One, a Night Shift Radio production. New episodes every week at setcondition1 throughout the podcast.com. Now that I understand.
you're still listening to Left of the Dial. I'm still Kitsy. Caleb is still unexchangeable. I'm still here. Hello. Yes. And we are still talking to Danny and Nick from Element 101 about more than motion. We're just telling some some fun uh, touring and, and old show stories uh, in, during the break. But you were talking about playing uh, playing with some some fairly big names from from that the time period from those early 2000s, uh, Sensefield and Further Seems Forever. And I know we kind of just went through this, but like, let's get it on the record. I want to hear those stories. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the further show that we mentioned was at the Galaxy. We, we were talking about St. Louis because we, we love to play in the Galaxy there in St. Louis, as well as a creepy yeah. crawl, crawl. But um, so after Cornerstone 2000, uh, Chad militia who started the militia group he mm-hmm. had a booking agency and he put together what was called the militia circus okay and uh it was a tour following cornerstone going back to california and it was um further seems forever juliana theory uh, i think maybe dogwood 238 element acceptance uh, okay. it was like a whole like traveling like it was a circus <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. so the first show after cornerstone was at um the galaxy there in st louis and uh, unfortunately, Further's van broke down, so they had to drop off. But uh, we continued going, uh, I guess, you know, all the way back to California then with the Theory and, and 238 and Acceptance. And I can't remember who else was on that. But uh, yeah, it was, it was really great. And then another time that we played the Galaxy, it was a really memorable show, was um, playing with Sensefield, who is without a doubt our collective, uh, one of our collective favorite bands uh, of all time. And uh, it was just amazing. Still play is. with those guys. Oh, still, yeah, absolutely still is. They're they're so incredible. So that had to been like around like tonight and forever era, right? It was. Yep. Yes. Exactly. It was so so good. I remember when that came out, and like I had known of Sensefield, but wasn't super familiar. And I picked that record up and just immediately fell in love. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to the point where like when further got back together for the second or third time, whatever it was, and they they did hide nothing, and John Bunch was singing like that. Was, yeah. 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 So incredible. That is an incredible record. It's very, <laughs> very overlooked. Definitely. Um, but we're here to talk about your record. <laughs> uh, and, uh, coming out of the break, we heard the, the track, something like a dream. So we're kind of, you know, jumping forward in the, the track or a little bit. And uh, I just thought that this one was really interesting, like really, really, really stand out for a lot of reasons. Uh, not least because um, they, Versus, there's no like traditional vocals. It's it's Chrissy talking, and like I never, I don't think I've ever quite parsed together everything that's being said because it's just really low. But it's this like, like almost like prog rocky riff going, yeah, into uh, like you know into the 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 choruses. And we talked a, a bit in the the first half about like uh, the maturing from record to record and like trying to get out of the the pigeonholes and stuff like that. Um, and want like really stand out like across this whole record, but this is I picked this song because it exemplifies this. Uh, Chrissy's vocals were always kind of like on the the lighter, like almost like breathy, airy sort of side. But yep. in this record, she really leaned into like being more assertive and like putting more of herself like out there into the and aggressive. Like, yeah, aggressive. Kind of, like that. That's that that feeling that comes through in this, and I love that. Like it, it makes it like so much more power behind these tracks, which are already so huge. Especially that song, or in the chorus, yeah, yeah. I, you know, um, when we were talking, when you were talking earlier about like pop punk, and you know, I, I feel like pop punk or 
you know, punk rock is always viewed as like a sound. Um, mm-hmm. I view it as a, like an ethic, right. And an attitude. Yeah. Um, and in that sense, I feel like something like a dream is the most punk rock song we've ever written, even though it doesn't, I mean, I think the chorus as well as like her vocals have a punk rock, obviously feel and sound to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, to me, uh, I think that's where, you know, this album kind of has more of the, the punk attitude in the sense that, um, it was very, to me, it was like a very nonconformist record. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what punk rock is. Right. Um, and so, you know, it was, we, we really didn't want to sound like anyone else. And I think that's something that we always set out to, to do is to, just to be unique, um, to, and to, you know, really have our own sound and, um, uh, nothing I think drives me crazier than when a band gets popular and then you have 10 bands that sound like that band. It's like, <laughs> just listen to the, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, how many bands, that, how many bands at tooth and nail sign that sounded like MXPX, right? Like j- just <laughs> listen to MXPX. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for a period of time, it felt like almost all of them. Yeah. And I mean, right. like, and how many MXPXs do you really need? Like, isn't one enough? Exactly. exactly. Right. Right. So, you know, I think that, you know, that, that this song really has a lot of um, attitude behind it. And obviously that comes out in, in Chris's voice. But, you know, the the, the talking over the verses, I remember um, very vividly in the studio that, um, that that was actually an idea that Chrissy had. And and I remember Bill was just like, what? <laughs> like, what, you're going to talk <laughs> over this? And then, um, you know, and then that's where they really started to, um, you know, play around with a lot of the, 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 the just reverb over it. The and, delay, a lot of delay. Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. The delay. Yeah. And, uh, and it just, it just worked. Like we, I remember sitting there and just saying like, this, this really does, this really does work. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, that was definitely something that she envisioned and, and saw it through and, and, um, yeah, I think it came across, I would say that this was another song, um, that was just without a doubt, so much fun to play live. Um, I bet. and, uh, yeah, so, um, <laughs> just, yeah. So I don't know what, 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 what do you remember about that, Nick, from recording it? Um, I mean, I remember it being a workout. That was like a, a really <laughs> high intensity <laughs> drums in that song. I remember <laughs> that's yeah, I all I remember. That. I just remember it as, like torture. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I remember, I think, I think I remember playing around with some distortion on the bass. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember some of that. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just think that, that that song really just pushed, um, a lot of boundaries and just trying yeah. to be, you know, just being experimental, you know? And, yep. um, I would say that's, that's probably the most experimental song I would say on the record. Yeah. Eh, maybe. Am I making this up or is there also an effect uh, a couple times on the guitar that basically like runs it backwards, like a tape reverse? Yeah. That's in the, that's in the verses, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's the idea that the tape reverse with the the talking mm-hmm. and then like the, the delay on, on the vocals that kind of <laughs> um, play, I think play off each other really um, interestingly. Yeah. Well, and then again, going back to like how much harder she sings on on this track, uh, it hits that much harder because it feels like it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and then again, just drops right back off. And the dynamics on this record are incredible. To to, yeah. to be honest with you, that um, her vocal on that song, <clears throat> as well as I would say her vocal on the chorus of the first track that we talked about, "Fade Away," um, was all a result of of just being on the road and and playing, you know, trying to play almost every night. 
um, you know, she, by, by performing every night, she grew so much. And I think part of it is because um, live, we always heard the same thing. We can't hear the vocals. We can't hear the vocals. And yeah, you know, I think she just, um, just continued to, to push. Um, and, and, you know, so in pushing live, you know, and, and, and yeah, I think she really grew a lot. Um, well, I think she also channeled like legit life, uh, life circumstance rage (laughs) into those emotions, like just to put emotions into it. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely helps. And, you know, (laughs) and then the other thing is too, you know, she had, um, her and Bill Stevenson had such an incredible, um, good chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Chemistry and incredibly work, incredible working relationship. Um, I would say like he totally understood her and got her and was able to communicate and articulate, um, you know, what she needed to do in a way that totally made sense to her. And, um, I mean, you know, people look at Bill as like, Oh, he's just a drummer of the descendants, but he is such an incredible, um, singer and yeah, yeah. singer, musician, uh, all guitar player. Musician. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, he write he writes, you know, some of the descendant songs, uh, obviously on, you know, guitar and so on. And, um, yeah, what he was able to do and, and what he was able to bring out, um, in her, I think is just, uh, really, really incredible. She grew so much as a singer as, as a result of, of Bill. I think that's yeah. it's also really interesting, like how much of like that stuff can be either like tamped down or drawn out by the person behind the board. Like I think about when mm. when uh, my brother Joshua would record vocals, like the first couple of records with Ed, Ed kind of like had him like, you know, keep it breathy, keep it like, you know, make it feel that like the, the emo feel. Uh, and Josh is like, I don't sing like this. Like this mm. is weird. Yeah. And so like he'd sing live and it would be totally different. As yeah. a, I love the idea of like hearing someone say like, no, like really let it out. Like you've, you've been working yeah. on this, like, just go for it. Yes. <laughs> yep. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, I was going to say, even, um, you, you know, Bill had a great balance of, you know, a- a- actually being a, a sort of kind of professional vocal coach, but at the same time, y- you know, being all about freeing her and just like kind of like weaknesses and all, you know, any little imperfections in the vocals, keep them there. It's part of the, it's part of the vibe of it. You know, he was good with that. What, one of my uh, favorite stories that she tells is uh, when, when we, when we recorded um, future plan, Chrissy has a very Jersey accent. Oh yeah. (laughs) And uh, when we recorded future plans, um, uh, Mike, the producer, like I guess was trying to get her to uh, be a little less Jersey. Um, and I think that, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was hard. Like I, I, what I mean by that is Jersey and like the way she was like pronouncing certain words as she saw, she sang them. And um, mm-hmm. so when she was talking to Bill about that, um, Bill was like, no way you got it. You have to keep the Jersey in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you, you have to be who you are. Let, let the Jersey come out, you know? Yeah. And um, th- th- it was funny. Cause there was definitely a few words um, <laughs> that I think we went back and forth on, on, on how to, how she should pronounce it. Cause there's a little <laughs> bit of a Jersey pronunciation um, in there. I don't remember exactly what words those are, but. But I think Mike is like, Mike Herrera was the exact opposite of Jersey. Like the way he pronounced things and his thing was just like, oh, like, you know, he, he would have a lot of the, the same, the same vowel every A, whereas we're like, A, you know, like a. totally different. I guess that's East coast versus West coast there. Yeah, right? yeah. That's, that's what it is. Well, it was also like the, the difference of that, like kind of 
English inspired pop punk. Exactly. Yeah. Doing the like the Green Day is kind of yeah. yeah. My yep. Mike really leaned into that oh, for a yeah, long yeah. time. Um, so total aside, fun fact, uh, I, I looked up the, the galaxy trying to figure out where it was and it's like 10 blocks away from where I live now. And oh, nice. it's, a, it's a Mexican restaurant now. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. I have to ask the important question, Caleb, have you eaten there several times? Is it good? Oh, really? It is. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's on Wash Avenue, which is kind of like, uh, so historically it was like garment and shoe district, like Mm. like at least nationally famous if not world famous um and over time has evolved mostly into like a kind of nightlife spot uh and so it's one of those places where like it's good enough <laughs> it's not terrible i never rave about it but i'm never mad if i go there <laughs> it's one of those like you know, okay like, oh, well, let's go here we uh, like, we like there, you wouldn't go out of your way to go there but if you were walking by and you were hungry exactly like okay. there's um <laughs> a really good Mexican place that opened a second location just a few blocks further down. So we tried to go there one day, but it was really crowded and you know, recently. So you don't really want to be around that many people, especially if there's not outdoor seating. Mm-hmm. And this place was practically empty. So we just went back there. We're like, you know, what? Oh, nice. it did the trick. <laughs> did you feel any spirit of legendariness there? Uh, you know, I've, I've always wondered why the, the inside is laid out the way it is. So like, oh, wow. now it makes sense. Uh, and yeah. there's, there's a lot of that where like play, like it's it's all old warehouses, so they all have a, yeah. a, a similar feel. But like some some places you go and you can feel like that was a stage. <laughs> Why was that a stage? Yeah. Like when was this ever event? And like there's a lot of that history that I just I missed by not you know really growing up out here. I mean I, I spent a lot of time in the area as a kid, but you know didn't really spend much time in the the city until basically when you know we'd come out here on tour and then i finally moved out here you know 2011 um but yeah like learning about venues that you know i never knew existed that's that's really fun (laughs) where were you guys from originally caleb syracuse that's what i thought yeah yeah. oh okay just we had some good shows in syracuse yeah Yeah, the the scene there was great around the the time that y'all were active like that was a lot of fun i think we we played with andrew wk there I think yeah. yes, yes, you did. <laughs> totally <laughs> forgot about that. Were, were you That's at that amazing. show? Um, I missed that one, okay. and I don't remember why. But it was probably some bullshit where like I had to work and didn't like tried to get out of it and couldn't. There's a couple of shows that came through like at yeah, a particular yeah. time that. The only reason I asked that is because that that was the last show we ever played. Oh, oh you're really? right. You're right. God yeah. damn it! Oh, no way. Yeah. That, yeah. What a way you know, to go, though. Yeah, that is WK, right? <laughs> that is exactly my luck where I would miss two bands <laughs> that I really wanted to see and it would be one of their last shows. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of last show, obviously we, we talked about you know, were active like in late 90s, early 2000s and kind of went, went quiet for a while. Um, it was just over a year ago, like, I, I, like just before uh, COVID really hit and... Well, I was still in, the, in my office here in St. Louis. I was making myself a cup of coffee and I was looking at Instagram and suddenly Element 101 is active on social media <laughs> again and y'all are posting photos from the studio. <laughs> and here we are a little over a year later and I am dying to hear those tracks. Oh, man. Like, what like What's the status of that? Did like did you finish and just waiting to release? Yeah, so we recorded five tracks and uh, the you know then obviously the pandemic happened and... <laughs> Um, so yeah. And 
I think what what's happening now is the the four of us, Chris, Sal, um, Nick, and I are um, are just going to do a project with those songs. I still can't wait to to hear those tracks. I'm, I'm bummed that it it probably won't be Element, but it'll yeah. still it'll you know it'll still be uh, something has to happen with them because they, they're they're really cool. Yeah, it'll still be the the basic elements. Yeah, it was kind of cool because um, kind of the vision that we talked about um, when we started to write was to almost write songs that kind of would sit in between Stereo Girl and More Than Motion. Um, oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I think um, obviously, you know, it's hard to say now with not hearing the vocals, but musically, I, I think we really did accomplish that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Nick actually wrote um, two of those songs and, uh, you know, one has uh, like kind of like a faithful fascination vibe, and okay, um, yes, and, yes, yeah. And actually, the other one that he wrote kind of has like a little bit of a future plans vibe to it. Yeah, too. I think that nice. could be like we're not adults yet, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I we're we're hopeful that we can we could turn uh, these these songs into another type of project. So yeah, um, so we'll see. Uh-huh. This actually sets me up for another perfect segue. You talk about possibly releasing tracks that uh, wouldn't have the the original vocalist from Element. Uh, there's a track that I picked out on here specifically because it doesn't oh, yeah. have Chrissy's vocals at all, and that's uh, the the eighth track called "A Song."
Yeah, that's Chris. Okay, that's Chris singing on that one. Yeah, that was that's a Dan. You said, um, "Baby, I can give you more." You said that was a the most experimental song. I feel like a song is maybe the most experimental song. I don't know, and particularly for I mean, not only that it's Chris singing, but that we we used a lot of experimental stuff on that too, like the, the drums. Remember that, Dan? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that song is also, um, you know, we, we we touched on that we were, you know, listening to a lot of Pink Floyd, but I think we were also listening to a lot of, um, you know, 70s, uh, I think Yes, Christmas. Oh, Yes, huge, definitely. Um, yeah. Huge, huge fan of Yes. And um, I think that, that's a Yesy song. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> which is, you know, um, yeah. So to me, like, I, I still feel like something like Dreams Experimental, but I think this song is a little bit more prog um then yeah you're right there's definitely yeah there's definitely experimentation in there for sure but um yeah yeah, it's it's definitely a more prog sounding song um i I think i think you used a um is it a timpani oh yeah yeah (laughs) i think so i think i i think there's there's like a few different drums in that that we like yeah yeah, in the bridge yeah in the bridge that really big boom like it kind of shakes yeah if you have a subwoofer it would shake your floor yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh that's really cool (laughs) this is another one too that like really plays well with the the space in between the notes and yeah yeah riffs those like hard stops and the do 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 do. yeah i love you noticed that yep absolutely (laughs) being uh you part of a rhythm section myself like those like the things that you have to nail yep (laughs) And unfortunately, yep. that was one song that we just never got to uh, to play live. So, is it also Chris that does the the callbacks on Fade Away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, that, yeah. Chris did pretty much all the background vocals and and everything. Pretty much. Yeah. Gotcha. The I guess it's the the bridge on a song where you have this like really like staccato, yeah, uh, like yeah, falsetto yeah. vocals that are kind of dancing yep. with each other. Like that's that's really fucking cool. A lot of O's. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yep. That that's kind of the yesy part to me. Right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. 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 So. And I, I love that. Like as I was walking around uh, town the other day, listening to this this record, like and immediately that that vibe of like seventies, eighties, rock, yeah. prog, and and whatnot, like that came to mind. And like hearing you guys talk about the influence, I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that song's 80s, yes. <laughs> yep. Awesome. As owner of a lonely heart, yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there was uh, there was one more track that I wanted to talk about, but before we get into that, uh, I wanted to kind of open it up. I, and, you know, like we, we talked a bit about the the uh, you know recording that you guys were working on that's kind of stalled. Is there anything else that y'all have going on that you, you wanted to talk about, that you wanted to plug, anything new and exciting or just... Talk about life, Dan. You got a ton of great stuff. Tell him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, you, you mean just in life in general, or yeah, whatever you okay. want. Yeah, um, your time. <laughs> uh, I've been an educator since uh, I guess 2007, and um, yeah, I transitioned um, from teaching into administration, and was just appointed um, an elementary school principal starting July 1st. So, so that's going to be pretty cool. Right on. Congratulations. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's new and exciting. And, uh, but you know, like we talked about before, I I really want to see these songs come about because you know, work and and families, it's all great. um, Obviously. And that's the most important things, but 
you know, it's, it's cool to have, you know, as it old, as old geezers here have some, <laughs> some, you know, it, it, it was just great to get together with, you know, with Nick, Sal and Chris and make music and hang out. And, um, you know, yeah. ho- hopefully we could do more of that, you know, but Dan, I think, I think you mentioned the org organization is really important too. anti-human trafficking and, Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I um, I learned about uh, the issue of human trafficking in the middle of, um, I guess it was 2005. And it was just an issue that um, I just couldn't believe existed on planet Earth. And um, I just really have just dedicated the rest of my life to, you know, raise awareness and uh, to bring about preventative measures. And one of the preventative measures came about as being a teacher and working with my students um, and empowering them to have a voice and to, um, use their voice to make a difference among their generation. And, mm-hmm. um, from there, I, um, I serve, um, as the board of uh, president of the board of trustees for the New Jersey coalition against human trafficking, which is a pretty really just up and coming, vibrant, um, really effective organization here in the state of New Jersey, doing some really, really big things to help eradicate, um, this human rights violation. And, uh, yeah. Um, you know, we, we were, you know, we were hoping that with, you know, through our music that, you know, maybe we would, you know, um, any proceeds that we would make from, you know, whatever it might be a release or something would, you know, would go to, um, advancing the, the cause of, um, anti-trafficking efforts. Right. Is there a, like, is there a site that I can point people to? I'll put it in the show notes. So that oh yeah, can, sure. Can go. It's, um, safernj.org. Awesome. Thank you. That's, that's really amazing. Yeah. Super yeah. cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so if uh, if people listening want to be able to to support the cause, they can go there and uh, and check absolutely. it out. Absolutely, and- yeah, awesome. absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love hearing stories of, of people being involved in. Like, I mean, obviously the the music is you know why we're here, but like there's so much else that that people are doing and trying to make a you know make a difference in the world. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, I I I never really understood the people who can just walk away from the music entirely and so like i i, I relate so much to the fact that you guys are you back and trying to make it work again yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh going out of the the show we're, we're gonna hear uh well i don't know how we'll do this because i picked the last track my darkest night and then and I, I don't want it to come across as like I, I don't have good feelings about this song, but I picked it specifically <laughs> because there's a hidden track on this record. Oh yeah, the end of, yeah. <laughs> we we've talked a little bit about this in past episodes. I think that the the hidden track is kind of a a dying art with, with yeah, releases. that's not around yeah. anymore. And <laughs> uh, so like I, I love like is is there any kind of story behind that that you, you want to <laughs> yeah. get to or like either the you know my darkest night or the hidden track or like you know the way that it was put together. Dan, doesn't that hit, doesn't that is, wasn't that hidden track recorded in Chris's basement? Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. And then doesn't it have Daisy barking at the end of it? No, that's, um, that's the oh, song. That was on the other. Oh yeah. The, gotcha. that, that's the, so, that's the last song on, uh, how to start a fire. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. In it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Both recorded in the basement though, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. The last track of how to start a fire was actually recorded in, um, Christmas own's basement, Jason. And, uh, Chris worked on that. Oh, that's yeah. a fun fact. Um, yeah, yep. yeah, which is which is kind of cool. And Chris's dog <laughs> barks at the end, and they decided to leave it in. It's really hard to hear. Like someone would have to point it out to you, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Chr- Chrissy played the harp. Like she's like a classically trained musician, and oh, that's um, awesome. yeah. So 
I guess we just, you know, we thought it would be really cool to have her, you know, one of her songs. Yeah. yeah, One of her songs that she's like written on there. And uh, so, and, you know, and I think that's where um, I think that's, you know, one the things that make her vocals and melodies so unique and, and how they complement so much of what, um, you know, Chris Allen, Nick are doing, um, you know, on a lot of those tracks is that just her classically trained ear um, and the way she writes those melodies and so on, you know, I think, uh, you know, really helps to complement that. Yeah. Yeah. She wouldn't, she never wanted to find, she never wanted to um, parallel one of the melody because Chris plays very melodically guitar wise and mm-hmm. she never wanted to kind of just take the melody from that. She was always trying to find a niche in between, mm-hmm. which is, which is a difficult task, you know, it's to find hard. something that's, notable that stands out from in between the melody Chris often already has. That's, I mean, it takes a, a lot of effort and a lot of talent to be able to do. Yeah. To do that. I mean, yep. that's, that's something I've, I've struggled with a lot. Like if, if I already hear something in the, the song, like that's it. Yeah. Right. My brain, right. My brain can't go any other direction. <laughs> and sometimes that's good. Cause you want it to be that way. Cause it's just mm-hmm. all the more to, to double it like that. But other times it's just, it's, it's more of a challenge it, with, uh, my darkest night that, that, yeah, that's a song that I wrote. I remember. And I remember I wrote the melody for the verse too. And my, my thinking behind that was, cause it, I, you remember Dan, like at the time, and I, there's still one of my all time favorite bands was uh King's X. <laughs> nice. And I, I loved like the, I loved how they're the, they're like the best of all worlds. They have like, they're just as heavy as a heavy band can be, mm-hmm. but they're also super melodic. Like also like, you know, almost like Beatlesy melodic. And then they have, you know, just Doug Pinnock, which is just like blues to the bone, you know? It's just, yeah. it's just, it's such a great combination of everything. And that, that was a bit of an inspiration in that song because it's, I, you know, I was thinking super heavy, but I wanted it super melodic, almost like, like a Disney theme melody kind of over the top of it yeah (laughs) yeah 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 and 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 just the melody that chrissy's saying (laughs) just like almost you would almost think it would conflict being that heavy and that melodic but Mm -hmm. king's x is a great inspiration to show you could do that it'll work that's amazing that's where that song came out of like I say, this is the first time anyone's quoted King's X as an influence on this show. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. dope. <laughs> Achievement to this unlocked. Day, yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and that 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 song as well um, was also so much fun to play live because of just how heavy oh, yeah, it was, yeah. and yeah, um, you know, just the rhythms of it, and and uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And I think that was I can't really remember now, but I think that might be one of the only songs that we dropped tuned on in that yeah it was dropped yeah 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 so yeah, well we actually went up because i originally wrote that and dropped c <laughs> <laughs> you really <laughs> wanted, I, I wanted it heavy. that heavy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we used remember dan we used a baritone guitar right Ooh. we actually had a baritone guitar in the opening you hear it yeah just yep. like jow, jow. Yeah. yep. <laughs> I, I don't even know where we got that from. We must. Have, they had it there. They they just had I, it there at the studio. Okay. I, said, I don't know how anyone gets a hold of one of those. I've wanted one for so long. <laughs> they sound amazing. Yeah, well, I, got, I got mine on reverb. So of course you did. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reverb's good. Yeah. Well, I know, Caleb, you you, you, you can just you can just buy them, Caleb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what what Are was you cool? Just, just buy. <laughs> no, that's. 
I, I guess my 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 information is mostly outdated from the time that this record was written and uh, thinking like, there's no way I'd be able to afford that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fair, fair. <laughs> the, the cool thing um, out there was that um, Bill and Stefan had like a, I guess like a rental facility there that anything any type of equipment or, you know, amps that we would want to use, we can do We were just able to rent, um, for like the week or two or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. So nice. Yeah. So, um, but that awesome. they just had there, that was just like hanging on the wall or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I, I feel like the, the, the way like you've described this, this track, it really does showcase like it's five incredibly talented musicians doing just amazing stuff. And it's, it works so cohesively and very unexpected ways. And it's this, Mm. I've got, yeah, that's a different song. I'm playing right now. And the, the solo is just shredding. I got to show. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're right. I love that solo. (laughs) Yeah. I had to pause because I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. We put piano on that too. I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did. I did the piano. Just layers and layers and layers and it works so well yeah now the piano may have been rented i think maybe yeah maybe i don't think they had a piano there well it was, it was a keyboard but we made it yeah. it was a very, very realistic piano third yeah. piano sound from that time you know <laughs> to this day even knowing how far audio technology has advanced i still have, struggle with the idea that an electric instrument can sound exactly like the real right thing. right yeah that's true <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they can. They they can sound like whatever you want to do. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just my my brain's like, no, that that's not right. Yeah, with, <laughs> with plugins, I mean, you can make it. You you could put the mic wherever you want. You know, mm-hmm. you could have the you could have the stage sounds if you want on the piano. It's crazy. Whatever amp, whatever room, whatever mic placement, like yeah, yeah. But like whatever additional effects you want, like right down to like. The, a the, full the, auditorium or an empty <laughs> auditorium like yeah yeah the exact brand of pedal that you <laughs> that you want yeah 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 what a time to be alive what a time <laughs> well yeah amazing thank you guys both so much for for coming on this is really really awesome talking to y'all um and you too thank you if it, like even when i'll say when like i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna throw my optimism out of the universe when you release these tracks uh, the the new stuff like come back and let's talk about them again. Oh, that yeah. would be great! Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we are going to hear "My Darkest Night" and then the secret track that comes after that to <laughs> take us out of the podcast. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. So, <laughs> I've I've been struggling to end the podcast lately. I don't know why. It's like the last few episodes. I feel like a, like I have a thing that I say, but I, I feel like trying to get to it's awkward. <laughs> and, and yeah, now I'm just making it worse. It's um, so hard to say goodbye to you. There it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> anyway, this has been Left of the Dial. I have been Kitsy. Caleb has been Koi. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week.
To be near you, I want to find you.